0: Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast, I'm Nick Veronin, your editor in exile, and I'm joined as always by Kevin, Kevinon Hume, our photo editor. How are you doing today, Kevin?
1: Oh, uh, just trying to find some uh, not ominous orange glow.
0: Yeah, um, we're recording this on Thursday, uh, for anyone uh, who's keeping track, uh, yesterday was Wednesday and it was a fucking trip. Yeah. It was
1: uh, one of the most surreal days I've ever had. Uh, Just everything like 10 a.m. looking like 10 p.m. and just this so strange orange hue everywhere, you know, sort of felt like something out of like Blade Runner or some weird sci-fi film that, you know, is like in a near dystopian future. And now it's like, that's where we're at. Yeah,
0: it got me thinking about the KT boundary. You you know what this is? Seen this? You heard about
1: this? <laughs> is that uh, is that the Korean War boundary?
0: No, no. So the KT boundary, sometimes uh, more commonly now called the KPG boundary, um, is a thin layer of sediment found in the geologic record. Basically, everywhere on Earth that you look, you dig to a certain depth, around the same depth. Um, and you find this thin layer of sediment um, which has elements in it that are more commonly that are very rare on earth uh, but very common on comets Um, comets meteors Mm -hmm.
1: which one is it uh i I think (laughs) i I I think it's an asteroid technically you're talking about you're talking about the where the dinosaurs got destroyed
0: i felt like a big old dinosaur yesterday when i especially when i stepped outside to walk the dog i was just like oh my god it was first of all you know the weather forecast before all this smoke drifted in it was going to be warmer everywhere
1: yeah it was supposed to be uh, like approaching like 100 all week practically yeah
0: and 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 it was cool it was much cooler and i was just like oh god this is what the dinosaurs must have felt like (sighs) um but yeah there's this really cool episode of radio lab about this uh this KT boundary typical radio lab episode, you know, with lots of diversions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, uh, so there's this thin layer of sediment you can find it anywhere around the world. If you dig to the right level and, um, you know, it's been used as, as proof for the theory that this asteroid hit the earth, sent a ton of debris up into the atmosphere, clouded the atmosphere for a long time, um, you know, killed off plants, you know, made things cooler took the sun away the radio lab episode though it was from a few years ago and there's like this theory is continually evolving and, and one of the scientists that was interviewed for it talked about how like yes it, it you know it killed plants it um it cooled the earth off but in the immediate aftermath it actually heated everything up a ton because first like these huge pieces of debris would have been thrown into low earth orbit mm-hmm. and then they all would have come back in to oh, earth man. and and burned up like tons and tons and tons and tons of material falling onto the earth and burning up and creating all this heat wow um which i you know i hadn't heard before i heard this episode which was pretty like so basically you got roasted <laughs> then if you survived that you ran out of plants to eat and you know the there a certain number of creatures made it but it was you know yeah like i mean
1: that's basically how all those ginormous reptiles uh ancestors you know gave way to us the mammals taking over
0: yeah i think that's the theory like small burrowing animals uh mammals were some of the ones that were able to to ride it out um the sun uh was blotted i was also thinking about 300 the movie yesterday um because i was like oh man this these are blotting out the sun where do i know what's blotting out oh our arrows will
1: blot out the sun
0: then <laughs> the dude goes then we
1: shall fight in the shade which yeah uh Ugh, man yeah, it was
0: 300.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm doing the opposite of Gerard Butler's regimen in that movie um, <laughs> during quarantine.
1: Yeah, I think most of us are.
0: Oh, but it was a dark day yesterday, and it's uh, unfortunately been a very dark month or more for San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner. Mm. He's been hit by a mass of QAnon trolls, as well as just a bunch of apparently genuinely confused people, who uh, you know have seen on some blog or Facebook or wherever that they get their news that um, the bill he spearheaded, SB one forty five, will legalize pedophilia, which is not what the bill does. It's supposed to um, make the uh, sex offender registry more Um, like across the board fair right now, basically um, more LGBTQ people are ending up on the sex registry because of this distinction that is in the law right now about vaginal versus oral sex slash anal sex. We, we have a, we have a story on our website about it. You can read about it at sfweekly.com, but I don't really want to talk about that because I'm going to talk to Benjamin Schneider about his story and kind of get into the nitty gritty there. Mm -hmm. What I want to talk about is QAnon. Oh, man. You familiar with the QAnon?
1: Uh, slightly. Um, I know it's one of those new crazy conspiracy theories that have popped up in the last, what, like four years since Trump? Uh, yeah. A
0: widely believed, followed right-wing conspiracy theory, which purports that a shadowy cabal of elite Satan-worshipping liberals is running a global pedophilia ring and only Donald Trump can stop. it. Yeah, like, what the fucking fuck, dude? I mean, that's the elevator pitch. And on its face, like, I just I would hope that most people would be like, okay, like, even if you're a Trump supporter, I would hope that
1: you would, you know. No, dude, people are fucking buying into this hook, line and sinker, man. You know, we have there's that there's a Republican congressional candidate in Georgia, I think, who is totally buying into this and almost as part of her platform, I believe.
0: Anyway, Scott Wiener's office has been getting tons of hate mail, nasty phone calls, um, and a lot of death threats. Um, and like I said, we're going to talk to Ben about his piece, The Doxing of Senator Wiener, uh, a little bit later on the podcast. Um, but like you said, it's hard to believe so many people have gone for this. I mean, so a month or so ago, I read about uh, I read about it in The Atlantic, one of my favorite magazines, a really long article. How QAnon is Warping Reality and Discrediting Science by Adrienne LaFrance. She went on Fresh Air and stuff, if you want to listen to that interview. And when you read about how this all got started, it essentially started out as a person or maybe group of people on 4chan saying that they had a high level government security clearance, a Q clearance, and this person or people issued vague, cryptic, spooky warnings about the deep state. Um, uh, these, these, these posts have come to be known as Q drops and um, they don't ever really, to my mind, say anything declaratively. Rather, they just kind of ask a bunch of shadowy questions and and people read between the lines and come up with their own theories. And this is all just snowballed. Um, but pedophilia is like a, a really big like factor. Uh, are like at the center of all, of all this, you know, of this conspiracy. And in some ways I feel like it's like kind of genius. You, you draw in all these conspiratorially minded people and give them this big, bad enemy. And of course, pedophilia, I mean, that fits the bill. No one's going to go stand up, go to bat for pedophilia. Um, and then you basically goad these people into spinning their own yarns um, and they come up with their own theories. And um, as a result, you know, this has really blown up um It's gotten outside of 4chan. It's gone beyond Reddit. And now um, you were just saying, Kevin, before we started the podcast that you've been reading that, you know, Q stuff is ending up on Facebook and Instagram and mommy bloggers and and, and influencers are like, you know, sharing this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's kind of worming its way into just the zeitgeist, you know, with like the congressional candidate and other people pushing this theory and the way Mm. that Trump always kind of foment people to read between the lines with his vague cryptic tweets i get the new york times uh i get a couple of their newsletter emails every morning and annie kelly wrote uh, an article this morning about the rise of q anon with women and mothers and things like that and how it just sort of ties to the fear that they might have with their children getting abducted and trying to protect children. And also like into the fact that women are a huge force on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and these things are being shared left and right through memes and posts and stuff. And it just sort of, it just sort of, you know, it feels, it seems like it breaks people down, you know, like it's all just
0: feeding fear. Have you ever, have you ever met someone who's like really into numerology and I'm sorry if I'm offending any listeners out there, (laughs) but it's just like, like they'll just, people will be like, okay, you see that, you see that address, that address is five, six, seven and those are consecutive numbers. But you know what it also is. I saw an address earlier today, just down the block. That is my grandmother's birthday. And you know, (laughs) that is telling me this, or that is telling me that, um, it, it reminds me of that. It also reminds me of like... (laughs) of like fortune cookies <laughs> and, 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 um, and horoscopes, um, just very vague language, you know, something good is going to happen to you today. You need to seize the moment, except it's, a um, you know, it's all sort of revolving around this specter of pedophilia. Um, and you just reminded me of this thing that I saw on Facebook uh, a while back that was like trying to, trying to, basically say you don't need to wear a mask and the argument was like it was some absurdly specific number of children have been abducted and sold into slavery this year um but sure worry about your mask or s- something like that and it's like those are I you can worry about the kids and you can worry about the mask at the same time yeah like,
1: like ugh It's just
0: dumb. Yeah, and the problem with the conspiratorial thinking is that, like, you can't even change people's minds who are super deep into it. They're, you know, just trying to bring up evidence against this stuff is just turns into further proof of the conspiracy. Like,
1: that's what they want you to think, man. Yeah. You know, like, what the fuck? Just ridiculous and stupid and and just fear-mongering it's just preying on people's basic fears that their family's not going to be safe and you gotta buy a gun and don't wear a mask and don't listen to the people who want to help you listen to me i can tell you what to do i know what's best for you only me
0: Speaking of which, that reminds me of these slogans that are out there too. The where we go one, we go all. What does that mean? I can't say that without thinking of the three musketeers. (laughs) I Um, haven't heard
1: that slogan. What is that? (laughs) for?
0: That's QAnon. It's a where we go one, we go all. It's often abbreviated W-W-G-O-W-G-A. And you can't stop what's coming, which pisses me off because that's a line from one of my favorite movies, No Country for Old Men. Not sure if it was in the novel. I need to read the novel. But mm-hmm. I like that line. I feel like it's got this sort of folksy wisdom to it. But um, now it's been co-opted or who knows. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if they got it from No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did. And now people are making money off of this too. Um, you know, you see these shirts and hats and stuff at Trump rallies. Um, yeah. someone's, someone's selling that.
1: Yeah, man. Like people are popping up with just, you know, any stupid thing that that dude says. Yeah. think you call that
0: owning the libs. Well, coming up on the podcast, we'll chat with SF Examiner writer Michael Barba about the dark and stormy skies that have been hanging over the Bay Area of late. And we'll talk with Benjamin Schneider about the doxing of Senator Scott. Lee. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We're joined by Michael Barba, staff writer for our sister paper, The SF Examiner. We'll be talking today about the ominous skies hanging over the Bay Area and indeed much of the West Coast. Michael has recently written two pieces for The Examiner about the strange scene. Welcome to the podcast, Michael.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So, Let's just start off with you explaining what exactly San Francisco and the rest of the Bay Area and much of the state uh, and and West Coast woke up to on Wednesday morning. In recent years, we've learned what smoky skies look like, um, but this was different. What was going on?
2: Yeah. So um, I think Wednesday, like a lot of other San Franciscans, I, I woke up and the sky was orange. I mean, it was something that, I had not seen um you know I've I've grown up in California and it had never been quite as dark as it was on Wednesday morning and it turns out that what had happened is there were so many fires burning at the same time across the west coast from California to Washington to Oregon that smoke had accumulated high up in the sky above the bay area and was essentially Blocking out sunlight, um, so the smoke was just hanging aloft and preventing certain rays of light from from reaching us down here on the surface, and kind of giving off this orange hue that really turned the city into this like apocalyptic orange.
0: Did it cool off
2: the temperature
0: as well? As far I as think you think know?
2: so? Yeah, I think it stayed like a sixty degrees or sixty six degrees, something like that throughout the day. I mean without any sunlight, um, things stay pretty cool down here.
0: Yeah. So, uh, making matters a bit more confusing for people, uh, checking their air quality apps, the, the air quality levels weren't too bad for at least much of the day on Wednesday. Why was that?
2: Yeah, that's right. I was surprised by that myself. I mean, you, you look outside and you know, you, you think that just based on the appearance of the sky that things would be pretty bad, but, I guess it turns out that the smoke was still hanging high in the sky. So it actually wasn't until Thursday that the smoke began descending. And, you know, on Wednesday, we had bigger pieces of ash that were falling down. And I'm sure people saw in their cars, that they were coated with ash. But on Thursday, the the smoke particles, the smaller particles actually started coming down. And so we saw the air quality start reaching you know very unhealthy levels um throughout the day
0: yeah um in your follow up story which uh ran on Thursday um there is a uh there's a picture from the sunset um that I think has your um yeah. has your photo credit and uh kind of looks like what folks in the sunset probably know as fog although it's a different color and it's not all fog is it
2: it was different. It was very different. Um, I, I ran outside the ocean beach pretty quickly. And um, I recommend that other people don't do it because it was very, I mean, it was hard to breathe, basically. It was, yeah. it was a dirty fog. It was kind of gray, but also it was brownish or, or pinkish. Um, and, you know, it, it was a different type of fog than typically what we have out here.
0: Were you wearing uh, an N95 or some other kind of mask? No,
2: I, I mean, I just, you know, had my, my mask that I've been using for for COVID. I, I you know, haven't, haven't been able to get my hands on one of those yet.
0: Yeah. So um, we are recording this interview on Friday, September 11th. Um, what is the air quality like today? And
2: what can we expect going forward into the weekend and next week? So I think things are kind of up in the air. I mean, I I spoke with a meteorologist yesterday who who said Friday was expected to look a lot like Thursday. And I think that turned out to be the case. I mean, there's an alert out there that says that air quality is very unhealthy. Um, People should stay indoors, especially if you smell smoke. Um, Going into the weekend, I think that's an open question of what things are going to look like. although Although there was supposed to be some sort of relief from the wind conditions. Uh, So we'll see what happens.
0: Okay. Well, you can read both of uh, Michael's pieces uh, on the Examiner website uh, under the news tab. Thank you so much for joining us
2: today, Michael. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me.
0: With Benjamin Schneider, staff writer for SF Weekly. This week, Ben has put together a story about San Francisco State Senator Scott Weiner, who spearheaded a bill that put him in the crosshairs of trolls as well as many genuinely confused people. Over the course of the last month or so, Weiner's office has received myriad angry and offensive calls, emails, and direct messages, as well as many, many death threats. Ben's story explains how we got here and looks at how the QAnon conspiracy theory and the movement surrounding it has landed on Senator Wiener's doorstep. Thanks for joining us today,
3: Ben. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us about your story. So first, it's important to understand the law that began this firestorm around Senator Scott Wiener. So Wiener spearheaded this law called SB 145 that was actually brought to him by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office. And the purpose of the law is to make sure that people who are on the sex offender registry are, in fact, the type of people who may, in fact, be serial offenders. That was the intention of the LADA's office when they sent Wiener the bill. And what it does is it eliminates a discrepancy in the way that LGBTQ people are treated under these sex offender registry laws. So currently, if a minor and an adult are found to have had vaginal sex and the two of them are within 10 years of age of each other and the minor is at least 14, it's up to the judge to decide whether that adult is going to be placed on the sex offender registry, which is a lifelong punishment that has really big impacts on things like employment and housing. But current law does not treat uh, anal or oral sex the same way. Uh, if an adult is convicted of having anal or oral sex with a minor. Uh, even if there's a small age difference, they're automatically put on the sex offender registry. So what this law does is it uh, applies the same standards that currently go for vaginal sex to oral and anal sex. So essentially all forms of sexual activity under SB 145 are going to be treated the same way in regards to the sex offender registry.
0: So this clause in the law about the judge's discretion um, seems like this change uh that senator Weiner's bill um, puts forward um kind of kind of hinges on that. Can you explain um why that's important
3: yeah, so I mean as I said this is a confusing law, so it can be helpful to think of an example here so under current mm-hmm. law uh you know this is before s b one forty five um if a gay couple Uh, One of whom is, say, 16, one of whom is 19, uh, who are in a consensual relationship, have sex, uh, and the parent of the 16-year-old gets upset about it and presses charges uh, against the 19-year-old, that 19-year-old is going to be automatically put on the sex offender registry because the sex act they've committed is treated differently than vaginal sex. So if you imagine the alternative scenario where it's a heterosexual couple who are 16 and 19, the 16-year-old parents freak out, press charges, that 19-year-old may or may not be placed on the sex offender registry, depending on the judge's decision. But in the previous case, the judge would have no say in it. Automatically, that person who's over the age of 18 would be put on the sex offender registry.
0: Right. And being on the sex offender registry is uh, a lifelong sentence as you said that has implications um, in a person's ability to get employment um, a person's ability to uh, get housing in some instances and um, other other repercussions right
3: exactly it's it's a huge mar on your record um, in all manner of arenas in, in our, our life here in America so it it does totally change the course of someone's life if they are placed on the sex offender registry
0: so what did you learn about QAnon in the process of reporting this piece? Because the QAnon conspiracy theory uh, and the movement that's uh, come up around
3: it, which we explained in the intro, um, plays a role uh, in this story. QAnon is one of the places where a lot of the misinformation around this law is originating. Um, and we know that because uh, I spoke to Katie Stewart, who is Scott Wiener's communications director. And a number of the the thousands of angry comments, social media comments and messages and emails that she's received include these very direct references to the the QAnon universe, including things like pizza emojis, reference to Pizzagate, or these hashtags that are known to be associated with QAnon, um, like save our children, hashtag save our children. Um, And so those are these direct links to this vast conspiracy theory that has um, really leaked out into the wider culture. And I think that's one of the reasons why this SB 145 saga is so interesting because uh, people like Stuart, who are absorbing all of these angry comments that are uh, often based on misinformation about the law uh, are, are seeing how, uh, yes, there are these people who are very clearly on QAnon message boards who are very angry about this law, But then there are many others who um, are parroting similar misinformation, but are getting it on mainstream social media sites from people as diverse as mommy bloggers, uh, Gen Z YouTubers. um, And then increasingly what we've seen over the past couple of weeks as the debate around this bill uh, heated up was many more mainstream uh, conservative uh, media personalities and lawmakers who were sometimes very directly saying misinformation about this law and other times uh, being incredibly misleading, uh, saying things like it's a pro-pedophile legislation. And so what happened is what may have started on QAnon or in these other kind of marginal parts of the internet really spread fast to a huge diversity of uh, right-wing influencers and media, and uh, all of that has been uh, absorbed by by Senator Weiner and his staff.
0: This QAnon conspiracy theory and the movement around it has really been gaining traction in 2020, so much so that we are seeing it uh, uh, pop up on mommy bloggers and Instagram influencers, as you say. Um, and it was sort of a learning experience for um, Katie Stewart um, in dealing with all of these some just concerned citizens who might misunderstand the law and others who are clearly, you know, trolling and and making death threats. Um, Can you talk about what the process was like for her learning about um, QAnon and, and, and spots where she was kind of surprised by what she learned. That's the
3: uplifting part of this story. Uh, Katie Stewart, as she's wading through these thousands of DMs, email messages, uh, phone calls, uh, some of which are extremely violent and hateful, um, really to a terrifying degree. She said she had over 1,000 death threats directed at the senator. Um, But among all of these messages, there are also people, as you say, who are genuinely misinformed about the bill and who are angry about uh, this allegation that the bill legalizes pedophilia or something along those lines. Um, and what what Stuart found is that it was actually worth it to engage with a lot of these people, uh, people who are not necessarily using profanity or being extremely aggressive. Um, they actually are really receptive to uh, the, the ac- accurate information about the bill. Um, so she would message back. Um, she would send any manner, uh, any number of uh, explainer articles that have come out since uh this whole controversy began uh many national news outlets have actually started writing explainers like USA Today, The Washington Post um because this conspiracy has gotten so big and so many people are are believing misinformation about the bill. Um and and very often when when Stuart would send people these reports, they would actually say, "Wow, thank you. I was misinformed." and go go about their their day. Um so I think that part of this shows that um, combating misinformation proactively and uh, sharing accurate information with people who have been exposed to some of these uh, conspiracy theories can actually work. Um, it just, as, as Stuart's experience shows, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of courage to go down that road.
0: Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the SF Weekly Podcast. The episode was produced, engineered, and recorded by me, Nick Veronin. Our theme music was composed by The Armature. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple or Spotify, follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash sfweeklypodcast, and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week.